it's time to get a bit messy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, football-loving friends from all around the world, welcome to episode five of the Getting a Bit Messy show here in the WECB studio. I, as always, am your host for the day, Connor Donovan, joined by my amazing co-host, Thomas Pudiak, who is finally back in studio with us after two weeks out. Thomas, welcome back. Meow, 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 meow. Although getting Thomas back today means that we have unfortunately lost Nandan for the day in the process, who has been replaced with our very special guest for the day, Will Goldsmith. Hello, hello. Some say I'm a casual to the soccer thing. I say I'm not even that. <laughs> awesome. Well, great, man. Will was a, uh, a good travel friend of Thomas and I over our semester abroad in Europe this past summer. So we're very excited to have him on today to talk about some of these matches. Now, despite our show being broken down like normal, I will admit that there is a lot to talk about this week, so I want to apologize in advance if we end up needing to speed through some of the sections or don't have enough time uh, to give each team that impressed this week the proper attention. So like normal, we'll, it'll be broken down into breakdown games with some exciting derby action to recap, then some quick-fire notes around the top five leagues and cup competitions, followed by a short break before our Honker of the Week coronation which we may be in for a hot debate for this week, and our predictions at pace for this week's games. Also, we have a new segment this week as Thomas is going to run us through his stat sheet session where he's going to read off some wild statistics since this has been one crazy heck of a season so far, and we're going to get to react to them live on air. So before we get started, I also want to take a brief minute to mention both the Emerson men's and women's soccer teams. Uh, as both teams have now finished their respective seasons with the women's team falling on the road yesterday in the conference semifinals. I had so much fun this fall with both the men's and women's soccer teams uh, with Emerson Channel Sports doing live play-by-play and color commentary for those games. And both of you guys had so many moments to be proud of this season. And your parents who I spoke to and the rest of your fans are certainly proud of all your efforts for throughout the past season and the hard work that you put into your respective program. So well done to both teams. That being said, Thomas and Will, are the two of you ready to get a bit messy in the studio here tonight? Woo! Yes, I am. All right, let's jump right into the breakdown <laughs> matches then. I love the enthusiasm. <laughs> Starting with El Clasico, perhaps the most famous fixture in world football, it's Barcelona hosting Real Madrid. And Barcelona coming up short, falling 2-1 to one to uh, Los Blancos. So it was Jao Cancelo starting at right wing, which was incredibly interesting to me. I don't know how you felt about that one, Thomas. Yeah, it was a bit odd. Um, at first, when I was looking at the lineups, I thought, oh, maybe they're playing with a back five somehow. I mean, they practiced with some form of a 4-1-2-1-2 um, in the preseasons occasionally and at the start of the season for using Laminia Mall. So I wondered if maybe that was the case. And then, no, he played at right wing. Um it seems where he'd like to play sometimes, occasionally. Uh, Laminia Mall, of course. Uh, uh, Rafinha. Um, Fernand Torres can occasionally play up there, but, uh, of course, you know, he's been playing more through the central um, channels, trying to place uh, Lewandowski. So, uh, yeah, a bit of an odd one, especially for maybe their most important game of the season. Yeah, 100%. Um, Ilkay Gundogan put Barcelona up early on a missed clearance uh, by David Alaba and buried his opportunity to put Barcelona 1-0 up only six minutes into the game. 
Then Fermin Lopez hit the post 15 minutes in after Gavi caught Tony Cruz sleeping in the buildup. And Antonio Rudiger let one loose and almost scored from 30 yards away. Danny Carvajal stopped the Jal Felix breakaway after nutmegging a defender and looked like it was going to be him clean in on goal. Ferran Torres then rugby tackled Vinny Jr. just before a halftime whistle to stop a breakaway. That was all in the first half of El Clasico. All of those little tidbits that I just read off were all from the first 45 minutes of action. So it was certainly a wild Clasico. In the second half, Eduardo Camavinga subs on and completely changes the whole course of this game. I don't know how you felt about that, Thomas, but then it was Jude Bellingham with a world-class hit from range to equalize after not featuring much in the first half, you have to say. And then Lewandowski returns from injury, as does Rafinha, and Laminia Mal comes on, and oh my, how impressive did he look. He is so good. I, I believe he's still 16 years old now. Um, he already looks like he's developing into a winger. Um, he reminds me a little bit of uh, Usman Dembele when he was at Dortmund. He has that sort of awkward run-up to his dribbling style that it, it almost looks like he's always about to lose the ball, and yet he never really does. He always uh, seems to... Uh, he's got those sticky feet. Yeah, um, and that, it, that I think is one of his strengths. Is he, It looks like he always overhits it, so players lunge in, and then he's, his feet are much more nimble than he really lets on. Um, he looked... Absolutely amazing. After this game, uh, well, first of all, Jude Bellingham tapped home a cross that wasn't cleared away late in injury time, and Real Madrid earned themselves all three points in this game. What a season Jude Bellingham is having. Barcelona now find themselves fourth in La Liga, and Real Madrid are shared top of the league on goal differential. So let me ask you guys this question. Do you guys feel that Barcelona are in trouble now having dropped to fourth in the league? Especially considering how well Atletico Madrid are playing, Real Madrid are playing, and how well Girona continued to play, surprisingly. I'm going to go ahead and say no, I'm not worried. And uh, part of that stems from uh, Atletico Madrid in classic fashion just lost earlier today to a uh, uh, Los Palmos, I believe, who are in, I want to say, I think it's ninth place without the win, which they wouldn't be expected to be. Uh, They would be down in uh, 10th or 11th. Uh, A classic Atletico kind of loss. Um, They're only one point behind them. They're four points behind it. And if I'm honest, I actually felt that uh, Barcelona were probably the stronger team in this game, at least for the first half. Um, I felt like... uh, Now, this was, of course, not to say Real Madrid didn't deserve this win, Real also looked dangerous. They looked good, but I uh, felt Barcelona looked stronger. I'm not worried. Will, how do you feel about Barcelona this season so far? Do you, are you are you do you think we should be worried about them? Uh, no, I I completely agree with Thomas. I mean, um, Barcelona looked great the first half, but uh, the the real thing is, you know, like looking good only gets you so far, right? Yeah, and uh, you got to be capitalizing on the chances they had, and they uh, they didn't that game. But, you know, the chances were still there. And I think, you know, going forward, uh, that's not going to, like, uh, change. I think they're going to still be uh, pressuring all these other teams and um, trying to climb up the La Liga table. Awesome. We are going to move on to a uh, to another massive derby match from this past weekend where it was Manchester United hosting Manchester City at Old Trafford. 
And wow, talk about dominance in a derby match. Man United were completely played off the pitch in this game. I will say, though, that I feel like the penalty decision that was given against Rasmus Hoyland uh, in the first half felt wrong. The one where he dragged down um, Rodri in the box. Do you, do you feel differently about that, Thomas? I mean, you said it yourself. He dragged him down. <laughs> um, yeah, but here's here's my thinking on that is you've seen that kind of foul how many times in the amount of times that you've watched a, a football match? Four or five. I've seen I've seen <laughs> I've seen that kind of foul at least d- double digits amount of times. I'm gonna go almost triple digits amount of times. I feel like I've seen that kind of foul happen at least a hundred times in my competitive matches growing up in matches that I've seen on the television where a defender gets dragged or an attacker gets dragged down in the box off the ball and nothing is called because that player had no effect on the play. In my opinion, am I I just crazy or is the fact that it's off the ball make it worse? The fact that there's no attempt to gain the ball, that that makes it worse to me is is that it's an off the ball incident. I mean, if there was any other incident you said, oh, there's been an off the ball incident here, that's usually a sign that something really bad has happened. You know, there's there's no attempt to gain it, which, by the way, if we think about um, a denial of a goal scoring opportunity, the uh, no attempt to play the ball is actually what makes it promote from a yellow card to a red card. So we know even the laws of the game consider off the ball incidents to be harsher than on the ball. My my feeling is, is it usually given? No. But should it be given? Probably does it. I think I probably. Um, and I think, I think we should. I think it's harsh though because I think they've completely changed the course of the game by awarding. Well, I wouldn't say completely changed the course of the game because it is Man City that we're talking. I, I will about, actually. But, I do agree with you on that. I thought Man City but, looked a little shaky prior to that. I thought that they settled did. The nerves. They did. I feel like Man United actually were holding their own against City, and then all of a sudden the penalty was called. Holland steps up, buries the penalty, and now all of a sudden City were just cruising for the rest of the match, and there was no hint of an equalizer or anything from United. Yeah, I think I think though this shows the difference in mentalities between them. Is yes, they were. I think they were playing equal. I thought they were. City needed to settle their nerves, but I think like that's the mentality. It felt juvenile. It felt like a. It felt like a just dumb foul and a very needless foul to give away, anyways. And like you said, there's it's not near the ball, so you could go, oh, it's not affecting play. Then why make the challenge? Why make the challenge? I don't, I don't disagree with that aspect of it. Like I see where you're coming from with that. Like because it's it feels like such a juvenile thing to do, right? Where you look at that kind of situation and you go, just don't touch him. Yeah. Just don't touch him, and he doesn't make a play at the ball, and maybe you don't concede a goal instead of going down one nil. So I don't know. I just I think it was harsh when United seemed to be holding their own. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, that was City's first goal. The second one, Holland scores again after somehow managing to sneak off to the back post completely undetected. <laughs> like, I, if I'm a United defender, I don't know how we let Holland go that free to the back post. Um, anyways, so Holland buries that one with a tap-in header at the back post to make it 2, two nothing, And then Holland also assisted Phil Foden's insurance goal late in the game meaning that he was involved in all three goals on the day and clearly had his eyes set on the Ballon d'Or ceremony coming up the following Monday. Roy Keane is also <clears throat> excuse me. Roy Keane is also fed up with Bruno Fernandez as captain of Man United. How do you feel as with Bruno Fernandez as captain of Man United? 
I feel <clears throat> sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I thanks for that. <laughs> who else should be captain? Really? I mean that that's how I feel. It's um, I I know there's been debates about does Bruno Fernandez actually like contribute or does he just work hard without actually doing anything systematically? Um, like if you're fed up with him. Who else should be captain? No one else in that team really deserves to be captain in my book. That's that's where I fall in the situation. I don't know how you feel, Will, about Bruno Fernandez as a footballer, but me personally, as a Liverpool fan, I have many things that I could say about Bruno Fernandez, but I don't think any of them are friendly for a WECP air, so I think I'll keep most of them to myself. Um, that being said, I agree with some of what Roy Keane says about how he doesn't really act like a captain on the field. You know, he's throwing his hands up like crazy. He's throwing himself on the floor, you know, diving all over the place. And he's just not setting a good example, right? Like you look at a captain as a leader figure in your team. And I don't disagree that like Bruno is, I don't disagree that he's a leader. I think he does have some leadership quality to him, but I don't know if it's, you know, the big leadership presence that Man United need to get them moving in a positive overall direction right now. Yeah, I uh, I totally agree. Um, like what you said, you know, a leader needs to lead, right? And I feel right now all these United players are almost playing individually, you know. And, um, you know, uh, is Bruno Fernandez, does he have leadership qualities? Yes. But is he uh, really, you know, pardon my pun, uh, uniting Man United? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, to, to really try to win games, and I think not really. I, I think, you know, they're they're kind of falling into almost a, a loser mentality. Fair enough. Fair enough. We are going to move on from this Man United game. Also, Nandan has added a note to this game on our document with all caps, United, ha, 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 ha. So Nandan clearly enjoying the downfall of Manchester United after the Manchester Derby. You should feel good as a uh, Chelsea fan. They're up and ups. <laughs> <laughs> we will get to Chelsea's game shortly, don't you worry. Next in our breakdown matches, though, we're going to jump over to Italy and Serie A, where it was Napoli playing to a 2-2 draw with AC Milan. And this is another game that I believe I predicted incorrectly in our predictions. Uh, Pulisic with an assist to Olivier Giroud to open the scoring. So good to see an American doing his thing in Europe yet again. Ending a goal drought for Giroud that was clearly starting to weigh heavily on his mind given his celebration after the first goal went in. And then Giroud scores a second headed goal in the first half to put AC Milan 2-0 up. And then uh, what happened in the second half, Thomas, to AC Milan? Uh... Who knows? I, I mean, they, they looked unrecognizable. Um, and I, I, I say unrecognizable. They looked unrecognizable from the team in the first half. They looked recognizable from, from the uh, team from the last two years since their title win, basically. Um, you know, they, they completely collapsed. The real question is, what happened to Napoli in the locker room? Because they've looked absolutely rotten, this team. And uh, this uh, after the departure of their coach in the summer... Um, and so when they were down 2-0 at half, they looked well and truly beaten, and you thought, all right, AC Milan's going to put on the burn, you know, uh, you know, it's going to be 3-0, nice, cozy victory. 
And uh, I think they put it on a little too early because they absolutely got spanked, I'll say. Um, even, even you know, and Napoli even loses uh, a player to a red card. Of course, it was their center back, uh, Nathan, I believe, or Nathan. Um, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know how to pronounce that correctly, but, but the Brazilian center back, Nathan. Yeah, and um, it was at the 89th, so yes, that's late. They did not look, you know, sometimes you'll see teams really push for that late winner. They did not look at like any point pushing. like they were. They, I think they pushed. They didn't look like they were going to force through at any point. They looked a little uh, lethargic out there. Well, Will, I know that AC Milan is your team of choice if you have to pick a favorite European football club. How did you feel about AC Milan in this game against Napoli? Uh, well, I'd like to say... Uh, Ex favorite team now. Uh, I'm on the market again. Um, you're back. You're a free agent again. You're picking a new team. Yeah, because I, I feel like uh, you know I've watched a few AC Milan games, and I, I'll be totally transparent. Uh, this is really the um, first time I really started watching football heavily. All right, and so I, I it's watched. It's never a few. too late to begin the journey, my friend. I watched a few of their games, and and kind of like what Thomas pointed out that. Um, uh, at least in this Napoli game, towards the end, they weren't really pushing. And I think Milan is a, AC Milan is a a team that is afraid to take risks. One hundred percent. And I think that is um, just kind of screwing them over. You know. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you that they're very like a very risk-proof team, right? They don't want to take any of those risks. I'll tell you what, they they're... risked you as a fan. <laughs> They did. They they risked Will as a fan with the style of football that they've been playing. <laughs> We're going to move on from the Napoli-AC Milan game to a Monday ceremony that was hosted that may be well known to a bunch of our listeners. The Ball and Door ceremony was hosted. And it's time for the big question, everybody. Do you think that Lionel Messi deserves this Ball and Door? Yes or no? Will, you first. I'm on the fence. I'll be honest, because <laughs> there, like, I, I kind of, I could see both arguments, right? Like, this is kind of the thing we were saying with um, uh, Bruno Fernandez, is that, um, like, Messi does look like that leader, like when he was, you know, playing with Argentina in the World Cup, just almost in some cases, just like willing his way to win that, finally win the World Cup. And, fulfilling Diego's prophecy. Yes, yes, and and I'm just, it, you know, it's impressive. But what's also impressive is scoring 52 goals in 53 games, uh, and so, you know, I'm I'm glad I'm not uh, uh, a voter in one of these things, you know, because <laughs> you wouldn't because you wouldn't have known which way your vote would have gone. I, I wouldn't have. I, I I think I think both are deserving in a way. I yeah. do. I'm I'm kind of on the fence with you, but I think I have an argument. But I'm going to let Thomas go first. I want to hear Thomas's opinion. Uh, I thought Holland should have won it. Um, Ooh. Yeah, I know this might be controversial. Controversial. Um, I I don't know. I do I understand why Messi won it. Sort of. Like he had, they had comparable stats uh, when looking at uh, goal and and assist output. Um, I would argue that Holland did it in. Um, in the Premier League, uh, breaking the not just Premier League goal scoring record, but the English top flight goal scoring record, including uh, for seasons that had, I believe, 44 games yep. um, in his first ever season, um, won the treble with City, uh, won, winning the Champions League, which um, I think, you know, 
I think I. City, I think isn't talked about enough. I think that kind yeah. of goes under the radar. Um, and he he was he ended as the top scorer uh, for the Champions League, obviously as the Premier League, um, as well as in the uh, FA Cup. Uh, he ended the top scorer in the Nations League as well. Um, of course, didn't play the uh, World Cup as Norway didn't qualify. Um, uh, Messi, I, I mean, again, these stats are phenomenally impressive, and I think that you know we can just look at what he's done with Inter Miami. Um, um, to really show his impact, but is is scoring goals with Inter Miami and scoring goals with PSG, who are expected to win the league every year. The only times they don't win the year is because they bottle it. It's it's not really a credit to them not to. But is this you know? I think I to me at least I feel like the if we're looking at individual accomplishments, I feel like um, Holland's at least to me are just unmatched. Yeah. So the way the way I feel about this is there is a genuine argument for both players in my book, right? The argument for Messi, obviously, he won the World Cup with Argentina, actively delivering on the highest stage in its biggest moments, World Cup final, uh, semifinals, the group stage goals that Messi scored. So he featured very heavily and won a lot of Man of the Match awards in those World Cup games. So he was really like, showing out on the highest stage. Also, like we said, one league one with PSG, but how impressive is that really uh, when you're a team that's expected to win the league every year unless you find a way to bottle it somehow? Messi is also one of only two players last season that had more than 20 assists on the year, the only other one being Vinicius Jr. from Real Madrid. Then Messi went across the pond to America, delivering Inter-Miami, the League's Cup, despite the team sitting bottom of the Eastern Conference in the MLS at the time. So, the argument for Holland, on the other hand, like Will said, 52 goals scored in 53 games played, including nine assists. Man City went on to win the treble, winning the FA Cup, the Premier League, and the Champions League. Not to mention they also won the Super Cup against Sevilla, I believe it was, right? Won the Super Cup against Sevilla. So, I don't know, man. I, um... Holland didn't score much in any of those major semifinals or finals, unlike Messi. So it depends to me how we're awarding this trophy, right? I feel like historically, we've always tended to award this trophy to the player that's had the best year statistically, right? For how many years now it's been, oh, Messi had the best year statistics-wise, it's his trophy. Oh, Ronaldo had the best year statistics-wise, it's his trophy. Or like last season when Benzema scored a crazy amount of goals, all of a sudden it was Benzema's turn to win the Ballon d'Or. Um, with I think like only maybe one or two exceptions, like maybe the year that Modric, Modric won it. You um, know, I was yeah. just thinking about that in the back of my head, like the year that Modric won it was maybe an exception. But if we're going to award it the way we've always historically given this out, then I think that Holland deserves the award. But on the other hand, if you want to go a different route and you want to say, no, the Ballon d'Or deserves to be given to the best football player on the earth, then that has to be Lionel Messi. As long as Messi exists, that award goes to him. Like well, It's like the Hodgland poll. How that, many hundreds point, of times have you seen this actually given? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like if you wanted, you might as well just make a different award at that point if you're going to give it to the best football player in the world because it's always going to be messy until the day that he retires, right? Unless he has some crazy drop-off that, honestly, we haven't seen yet from Messi. So, I don't know. I think, um, 
first and foremost, it definitely shouldn't have gone to Mbappe, despite his <laughs> yeah. World Cup performances. Like, don't get me wrong, Mbappe's World Cup final performance will go down as one of those streets remember moments as like one of the greatest World Cup performances of all time. But it definitely had to go to Messi or Holland. And I think at the end of the day, because I'm a Messi over Ronaldo person, right? I'm happy that Messi wins his eighth Ballon d'Or and Ronaldo is getting laughed at in the comment section. But at the same at the same time, like I do see how this award could have gone Holland's way and how people might be upset that it didn't go to Holland. Yeah, and then I wanna just like bring up one more point for this argument is like <clears throat> like what if um Mbappe won with France, you know? You had this historic performance in the World Cup, right? Would we be seeing the same argument between him and Holland? You know, I don't think so. I think it's because it's messy that ex- it yeah, goes the yeah. other way. Exactly. So I think. Which I am glad though that you brought that brought that up because I do feel like it is kind of like special treatment because if this was Messi's like last chance to win the Ballon d'Or, you know, like yeah. I feel like we may have given this award to Messi just because it was his last year of eligibility for it. Because let's be honest, is he really going to be nominated as one of the players for the Ballon d'Or next season after playing a full year with Inter Miami? I don't really see that happening, to be honest with you. I don't know. I've seen links that Luis Suarez might have just agreed a deal to uh, by ESPN. Maybe he's about to be the first player with 70 assists in an MLS season. <laughs> Very true. Very true. The uh, The possibilities are truly endless. Also, I don't know if you guys saw the antics from I Show Speed at the Volandor ceremony, but we'll get into some of those later when we talk about uh, Honker of the Week. So we'll get back to I Show Speed. For more on Messi and all things related to Major League Soccer, we have some exciting MLS playoffs going on right now. Always be sure to catch our friends over at Football is Life Wednesdays at, I believe their showtime is 3 p.m., Wednesdays at 3 p.m. here on WECB. They cover all things Major League Soccer, so if you want some more messy content, go listen to our boys over there. Shout out, football is life. Moving on from our Ballon d'Or ceremony now. Oh, also, it's worth mentioning from that, though. Jude Bellingham won the Copa Trophy as the best young talent in the world, which rightfully deserved, if we're being honest. And Vinny Jr. won the Socrates Award for his work fighting racism in Spain and providing education for underprivileged kids back home in Brazil. Last two breakdown games here, and they're both EFL Cup, so domestic cup games from England. First, we have Cup contenders Arsenal crashing out of the League Cup against West Ham 3-1. to Ben White flicked on a Jared Bowen corner kick into his own goal to put West Ham up 1-0, and Mo Kudus settled a first touch on the right wing brilliantly and slotted it home for West Ham's second. For the third, Jared Bowen took a strike from the top of the 18-yard box that took a deflection off Jakob Kirior, and Aaron Ramsdale can't keep it out of his can't keep it out of his net as it hits off his left glove and in. Martin Odegaard looked very impressive when he came on and pulled back a consolation goal late in the game for Arsenal, but there wasn't enough time left to mount a significant comeback. And like we said, a significant cup contender faces calamity in the cup contest. So I also think that looking back on it, that Mo Kudus is going to be a really good signing long-term for West Ham. I don't know how you feel about that, Thomas. 
Oh, he looks absolutely excellent. Um, he he's sort of an odd figure the way he plays. Um, um, in Ajax, of course, they played in that four-two-three-one under uh, Ten Hag. Um, and uh, he could have basically play anywhere in the uh, front three. I think he started, if I'm correct, as like a central midfielder and kept getting pushed further and further and further up after he scored, I think, um, like nine goals very in, uh, quickly into the uh, start of last year's season. Um, so I had a great goal-scoring threat. Um, he looks absolutely excellent, and, um, you know, I, I think Arsenal might have made a mistake um Playing not really a second, uh, not really a B team, but somewhere, but not really, yeah, definitely a not rotated, their A team. A rotated squad. Um, I wouldn't call it a B team, like you said, but yeah. it was definitely a rotated squad. Um, and you know, uh, I, I I feel bad for Ramsdale, of course, who can't seem to get any minutes, and uh, I don't think this will help him, of course. Um, but uh, Kudus, um, that's who great. I felt the worst for, to be honest yeah. with you, was Ramsdale. Like you're finally given a game to kind of prove yourself and get some minutes over David Raya, and you end up losing three one to West Ham and crashing out of the League Cup. Like that's not a good look for you when you're trying to keep your job, man. Yeah, and I thought this was quite interesting. And you think about West Ham about two seasons ago, they looked absolutely excellent pushing for the Europe. Last season, they looked. Um, they fell flat. There's questions for uh, Moise's job uh, and questions of relegation. Now they're looking absolutely excellent again. Uh, they are uh, uh, still pushing for Europe over Chelsea currently and uh, one point behind Man United, uh, really making a push. And now they imagine this. You say they have a midfield of James Ward-Prowse, uh, Edson Alvarez, uh, Mohamed Kudus, and Lucas Pakatao on absolutely unbelievable midfield yeah um, um, and they they showed every bit of excellence don't forget don't forget of. Thomas Suchek as well oh Thomas Suchek <laughs> you know the man who still has the capability Header of merchant. scoring a 10 goal season and all of them are headers yeah, yeah. Um, anyways getting back getting back to the game here um, also how impressive has Jared Bowen looked for West Ham this season a winger really coming into his own on a really good run of form this season. Arsenal also lose another front to fight for silverware, and I do, again, feel bad for Ramsdale, who was given a chance to prove himself and got absolutely pummeled. Nandan has left us a note for this game as well, saying that this is even funnier than United's loss in the League Cup, as clearly the Carabao Cup is is for big clubs like Chelsea. And then in parentheses, obviously not joking. So poking some fun <laughs> at crosstown rivals as Nandan is a Chelsea fan. Moving on from this 3-1 West Ham win against Arsenal, we have another cup contender that cla- that crashes out potentially in Manchester United, who won this cup last season. Um, I feel like kind of by a shock they won this cup last season, but hey, if you win last season, I think you deserve to be considered a contender for the next year as well as the defender. But man, you are really in the mud this week, aren't they? Back-to-back, 3 nothing defeats on home soil. And after this one, they were booed off the pitch by their own home fans. Newcastle were able to rotate almost their entire starting lineup, but most certainly their back seven, at least, with Dubrovka being subbed in for Pope. Livermento coming on and more defenders being subbed on in place of their normal back four. Nandan said for this game that he has died from laughter. Eric Ten Hag isn't going to make it to Christmas at this rate. 
Um, I'll say one one thing that's not a great sign. Um, I, I was reading a quote today from an interview um, where Eddie House was asked about his substitutions and his rotation, and he said after he said that if he was honest, he was just trying to let his uh, rotational team use it as a training game. That's how that's how confident they were playing against Man United. And again, this is at Old Trafford. Right. This this Man United team that they played against also, by the way, is also a little bit rotated. Like, for example, you've got Hannibal Mejbri starting at center, center center attacking midfield. You've got Anthony playing on the right wing, Garnacho starting on the left wing, and your striker for the game being Anthony Martial. So I'm not entirely sure how Man United came into this game expecting to get a result out of it, but... You kind of you kind of did it to yourself, haven't you? If you're Man United in this one, and uh, funny enough, Livermento, their rotated right back, looked absolutely monstrous in the game. Man of the match. Man of the match. <laughs> Man and, of the match. Livermento uh, stormed the right wing, w- wins the ball back, storms the right wing, clears half, uh, dribbles through their midfield, and then slots it uh, slots it for Almiron on the left wing to send it home for their first goal. Yep, it was unbelievable, unbelievable stuff. Um, but yeah, Will, how, how have you felt watching Manchester United play this season overall? I think they're a team that is lost. <laughs> I, I don't think they, um, I, I think they've lost focus of kind of, uh, who they are, you know, like they obviously don't feel like winners anymore. Um, I mean, I, God, I think Manchester United is going for the wrong treble here with how many 3-0 losses they have uh, been handing out. <laughs> so, like, they said, we have a treble too, don't worry. <laughs> and this is tough talk coming from you. I remember before you were a Milan fan, before you immediately lost faith in Milan, I asked who you followed and you said, I think Man U will be have a good season. And then I think after about five or six games, you said, I don't want to be a Man United fan anymore. They kind of suck. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, good choice. That's true. Um, <laughs> uh, honestly, that choice was just based on a childhood match I saw uh, way back when when they played DC United. Uh, if, if maybe I'm making that up in my head, <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm sure they did like a summer tour, and you went to a DC United versus Man United game. Yeah, or something. yeah. Back when they were playing in like the Confederations Cup or something, I remember I watched like. I watched PSG play the LA Galaxy at Red Bull Arena <laughs> in Harrison, New Jersey, and I got to see Zlatan play, and it was like the best thing ever. Anyways, we're going we're gonna to move on now from our breakdown matches because there was a lot of good action this week, and we're going to try to get through all of the rest of the chaos from this week that are in our quick-fire notes from across European leagues and their domestic cups. So starting from Saturday, Thomas, do you want to run us through our Saturday notes? Sure. Uh, this is coming out of the Premier League. Uh, close your ears, Nandon. Chelsea nil, Brentford two. Brian and Mbuma. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his last I, name uh, either, man. Mbuma. Mbuma continues to impress and uh, well carry Nandon's FPL team. And uh, here's a little stat for you: Brentford now have more wins. That's two than Chelsea one at Stamford Bridge since April of 2023. That's an absurd stat. Absolutely. How are you going to let another team come into your home ground and have more wins than you in the past seven months? I Chelsea are not in a good state. I don't care what Nandon says. Um, actually, well, speaking of what Nandon says, and I quote, quote, depression, at least Mbumo carried my FPL again, question mark. 
end quote. <laughs> Bournemouth 2, Burnley 1. Charlie Taylor scores an absolutely unreal half volley from the top of the 18 to put Burnley up 1-0. Looking great as always to start games. And uh, Semenos equalizes shortly after. 11 they, minutes later. They cannot hold their leads for the life of nope. them. Um uh, then uh, Billing scores from the furthest distance this season, chipping uh, James Trafford. And uh, Burnley have potentially been robbed of an equalizer from Jay Rodriguez and I think, believe, is the 88th minute, 89th minute. Yeah, this is one of those where it's another really tough decision coming from VAR, if I'm being honest with you. It's one of those I really am starting to get aggravated that this technology continues to let us down because this was a very, very close offside call that was called back. And I don't know, man. From the naked eye, it looked like he's onside. VAR shows that his knee is like a centimeter offside. It's just, I don't know. It's one of those, I feel like, just let it go. Just is he really go. benefiting from this? Yeah. Um. In big in big news, Arsenal 5, Sheffield United uh, nil. Um, Emil Smith-Rowe finally gets a Premier League start in his first in 17 months. Picks up an injury, by the way, so he was out immediately after. The, I've been begging, begging, begging Arsenal to start him, and boy, did he look absolutely great in this win. Uh, Declan Rice assist, assisted in Ketia on the first, who absolutely— Very, very nice assist by Declan Rice. A, a great assist, a great goal. Well, Nketiah then decides that he can do a little better, so Nketiah rifles home a second uh, a second one after no one clears his— uh, uh, A corner uh, kick. Uh, punch on a corner. Yep. A really tough going back against a defender. It looks like he's definitely getting pulled as well. Um, and then he decides, is that not enough? Scores a screamer. From outside the box, he just opens his body and Unleashes lets loose it, uh, lets loose it uh, to complete his hat-trick. I believe that's his first in the Premier League. Yes, Eddie um, Nketiah's first Premier League hat-trick this um, weekend against Sheffield United. Fabio Vieira uh, scored his first of the season, which shocked me a little bit because I feel like he's looked uh, in fine form. Uh, I know he's uh, he's picked up an assist or two. Yeah, um, he's just not getting the minutes that he needs to really make an impact. Yeah, um, and it's tough when you have, when you have Odegaard playing ahead of you, um, especially as a captain. Um, he he's, uh, scored a, a uh, won a penalty, I should say, after pressing Sheffield's back line, uh, and then uh, he ended up slotting it as well. And then Tommy Asu scored his uh, scored his first Arsenal goal ever, I believe, for on his fiftieth Premier League appearance. I feel like in my head, I've I feel like he scored two separate headers that have been ruled off sides. So it shocked me a bit to learn this was his first. Um, and this was really really late, um, at ninetieth plus six minutes. Um, a game that does have some controversy and some ramifications. Wolves 2, Newcastle 2. Wolves still cannot figure out if they want to be good or not this season. Um, uh, you know, no, this, this was a game that I feel like they should have won because of that penalty call. That I, penalty I call was so soft, and I feel like if Newcastle don't get the penalty, that maybe they don't go on to tie this Yes, game. Newcastle uh, seem to be on the opposite wave where they're currently seeing if they want to be bad or not. Um, uh, they're still coming up with great, impressive results. Wolves, um, uh, Neto looks like one of the best players in the league right now. Uh, yep. 100%. Uh, he Chen one Kwan of the best wingers in the prime right amazing now. amazing as well. Also um, one of the best um, wingers in the prime right now. Uh, the rest of them could take it or leave it. But uh, Anthony Taylor awards an absolutely atrocious penalty decision uh, right before halftime, uh, uh, giving Newcastle a 2-1 lead going into the half. 
Um, as a result, this uh, coming out earlier today, as of, as of um, uh, as of right now, it was reported that Anthony Taylor has actually been demoted to the EFL Championship. Um, it's only for the weekend, but it's still sort of in terms of um, how the, the uh, first time we've seen any real punishment been handed to a referee for a wrong decision. Yes, I in terms like. of the PGFML, uh, this is. A weekend is still kind of a big mark on their resume. Um, that uh, because it's you know it seems like a weak punishment, it probably is, but because it hasn't been handed out before, this is probably a mark on them. Um, um, let's see, uh, Huang's uh, equalizer is absolutely unbelievable from him, and uh, there was uh, in this that we seem to see what we saw at the start of the season: a total of sixteen minutes added before uh, between uh, both halves. Uh, in La Liga, we had Cadiz 2, Sevilla, uh, Sevilla 2. Uh, Sevilla seemed to be a funky team this year. Cannot figure out uh, another team that cannot figure out if they're good or not. Uh, heading over to Serie A real quick, we had Juventus 1, Hella Verona 0. Um, it took until the 90th plus 7, but Cambioso got the job done for Juventus, who, by the way, have quietly gone to second in Serie A. As someone who follows uh, Juve, this w- seemed a little bit of a shock to me. I don't think they look good. No, I don't think they do either. I think Juventus have somehow stumbled their way into second place in Serie A, if I'm being completely honest I think with every you. other team in Serie A has flopped their way out of it, really. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, in Bundesliga, an insane stat line, Bayern 8, FC, F, SV Darmstadt 0. Now, what this stat line doesn't look that out of pocket for Bayern, except for the fact that Bayern dropped Eight in this league game now scored 34 goals overall. Harry Kane scored a goal from his own half as well. This should also be noted that it was nil nil at halftime, and I believe it was nil nil until about the 55th minute. It yep. took them 35 yep. to score eight. 35 minutes to score eight goals for Bayern. Um, Werder Bremen, uh, uh, sorry, FB Stuttgart two, Hoffenheim three. A little bit of a bump for Stuttgart, who have been a very impressive run of form and still sit in third. Um, Hoffenheim pulling themselves up to six. This is uh, that was a bit of a shock to me. A good improvement on the last couple of years, where they definitely had a shake since Nagelsmann's uh, uh, departure. Werder Bremen two, Union Berlin nil. Another loss uh, for Union Berlin. A bit of a fall from grace, although um, as opposed to Leon fans who uh, publicly shamed uh, Leon after their after their third loss in in uh, in the Ligue 1, uh, the Union Berlin fans stood stood with them and after their ninth consecutive loss in all competitions, said that they never expected Union to hit the heights this high and would stand by them even in their defeats. Really beautiful to see. Mm-hmm. Finally, RB, uh, RB Leipzig uh, six. FC Köln to uh, nil. Leipzig apparently got the memo from Bayern and absolutely just unleashed on Köln today. Yeah, we're gonna move over to the Sunday games, starting with back in the Premier League. It's gonna be West Ham nil, one Everton. This was certainly an odd one, especially after dropping a result to Olympiacos in the UEFA Europa League. I expected West Ham to rebuild some momentum here, but they did not. They in fact got Deichballed instead. <laughs> Aston Villa 3-1 Luton Town. Another rough game for Luton Town. Aston Villa have looked very impressive this season. And Douglas Louise is continuing to play incredibly well and really impress me in their midfield. Another really odd result for me. Brighton 1, Fulham 1. Another one, Thomas. What is Brighton's run of results this season? Where has it gone wrong for them? Another team that I really feel like they can't decide whether they... They have everything together, or they have everything in disarray right now. 
Absolutely. In the in the league, at least, they've only won a single one of their last five games. Um, they've somehow uh, beaten Ajax in the uh, in the in the. Uh, well, to league. be to be fair, it is Ajax. It and is Ajax, Ajax are having a horrible season. They so. lost against much worse opponents. So, a very odd uh, run of form for them recently. Moving on, we have Liverpool beating Nottingham Forest 3-0. News before the game was that Luis Diaz was removed from the squad due to a personal issue, which was later revealed to be that his parents had been kidnapped by an armed resistance group in Colombia. His mother has been found in the hours after the incident, but his father is still being searched for with a big reward being offered by Colombian authorities for any information leading to his safe return. So Diaz remains out of the Liverpool squad until this all gets resolved, and we certainly hope the best for him and his family. Diogo Jota scored a goal early and held up Diaz's shirt to honor his teammate in his hour of need. And any time that Darwizzi scores is a good day for me as a Liverpool fan, and Mo Salah finished off an open net after Dominic Sobosly caught both the defender and goalkeeper Matt Turner in no man's land with a zipped through ball. What a player Dom Sobosly has been for Liverpool this season. It made me think of this one meme I saw over the weekend that I posted on my story that said it was a face-to-face interaction between two people, and one person said, thank you for changing my life, and the other person was Dominic Sobosly and said, I'm literally just Dominic Sobosly. <laughs> but that is how Liverpool fans feel watching Sobosly play, for reference. Moving over to La Liga, Rayo Vallecano held Sociedad to a 2-2 tie. Vallecano have been known for giant killing and now find themselves sneakily in eighth place in La Liga. After this draw, Sociedad find themselves in fifth place. Athletic Club played to a 2-2 draw with Valencia. Valencia is another team that, if I'm being completely honest, what are they this season? They sit in 10th place in the league now, and they have been a European competitor not so long ago. So what is going on there? I don't know what is going on with a couple of these teams this season. Atletico Madrid 2-1 Deportivo Alaves. And this is one that Atletico Madrid find themselves third in La Liga after this one. And also, by the way, have scored the most goals in La Liga this season. Who would have thought that as a very defensive park-the-bus team? Moving over to Serie A, we had Inter Milan 1 and 0 AS Roma. And damn it, that's another one that I predicted wrong. Marcus Taram's 81st-minute strike was enough to settle the difference between these two teams in a very defensive affair. Napoli 2, AC Milan 2. We talked about this one before in our breakdown matches. A side mention, there was a seven-goal thriller between Cagliari and Frosinone. Cagliari won 4-3 after being down 0-3 early in the second half. It is the largest comeback in Serie A history. Bundesliga, we had an exciting 6-6 draw between, or 3-3 draw, excuse me, six-goal thriller between Frankfurt and Dortmund. And whoa, this one was epic. Omar Marmouche put Frankfurt 2-0 up with his second goal 25 minutes in. After after finishing a great team attack, he scored his first off of a penalty. And Marcel Sabitzer pulled one back after collecting a clearance off the top of the 18-yard box in injury time of the first half. Mukoko equalized, but full crew got away with impeding the goalkeeper's vision on that goal, in my opinion. And Frankfurt restored a goal advantage in the 69th minute. Nice. But Dortmund equalized 12 minutes later after Adiemi exploded up the wing and whipped the service into Julian Brandt, who tapped home to equalize for Dortmund. Crazy 3-3 draw. Leverkusen 2, Freiburg 1. Leverkusen push on and now find themselves leading the Bundesliga and firing on all cylinders under Xabi Alonso. They look genuinely like one of the best teams in Europe at the moment. 
moving on, I'm going to go, actually, let's move on to France, where there was Marseille versus Lyon, which was postponed after one of Lyon's coaches was scraped up by broken glass after the team bus was attacked with stones on its way to the arena. Disgusting behavior from the French fans who, if we're being honest, have a little bit of a history with these sorts of fan incidents. There was also a lot of interesting action from the domestic cups, but seeing as it's already 9.50 and we have to be out of the studio around 9.55, I'm going to move straight to our Honker of the Week segment after a very short break. So we're going to take a short break and we will be right back with Honker of the Week and predictions at pace. So don't go anywhere. And we are back and it is time for Honker of the Week. This week, it's a bit of a debate that we have in store for you guys this week, as this week was full of honkers, and I cannot lie to you. We're going to have three contenders, and each of us are going to cast a vote this week for who we think wins the prize for biggest honker of the week. The contenders are, and I'm going to have you guys vote with me in the studio. Nandan has already voted for one of these. Contenders are Anthony Taylor being demoted to the championship for this weekend after a terrible penalty call in the Wolves versus Newcastle game a game that Wolves could have slayed another giant in without the help of Newcastle got from that penalty call. Second contestant is Eric Ten Hag and Manchester United in the mud after losing 3-0 at home in back-to-back games, with City fans coming up with a new cheeky chant. Old Trafford is falling down. Ten Hag is an effing clown. Glazers staying 10 more years. Man City are on the beers. They also... Despite lose, despite Newcastle rotating almost their entire back seven, managed to lose that cup game. The third option we have for the contestants is Aisha Speed's antics at the Ballon d'Or ceremony, meeting legends all over the event, getting trolled by someone saying that saying Ronaldo's name, only to be told that Ronaldo wasn't invited this year, and then accidentally starting a standing ovation for Messi after the Ballon d'Or trophy was presented to the goat for the eighth time. And not to mention the fact that he there's multiple videos of him barking multiple times at a formal event, and the looks on people's faces were absolutely hysterical. So, so far, we have two votes being mine and Nandan's for Aisha Speed's antics at the Ballon d'Or ceremony. Thomas, what's your vote? Oh, I'm going to go with uh, uh, the Man United one, and this is coming out with uh, new- news today that uh, Old Trafford's in, in such a mess they might be losing hosting the. Uh, they were supposed to be uh, uh, hosting the uh, Super League Grand Final, and their stadium's in such a mess. It might actually be going to City at the Etihad. All right, Will, your vote. Um, I also gotta go Man United. Ooh, so we have a two-two tie. Oh, I don't know what I don't know what to do about <laughs> that. Then how do we how do we break this tie? Well, I guess it's just going to be a co-prize then this week. The (laughs) co-honker of the week this week is awarded to Manchester United, who are in the mud after losing 3-0 in back-to-back games at home, and I show Speed's antics at the Ballon d'Or ceremony because Nandan and I both voted for I show Speed. I would do rock, paper, scissors, but we don't have enough time (laughs) left to do that, so we are going to move on. Thomas, let's get through your stat sheet session very, very yes, quickly. Yes, I'll here. actually just share, I think, the most shocking one. Uh, I'll, I'll just get one really good one here. Um, the best defensive record in Europe right now, Nice, in the league on wow. four goals conceded all season. Absolutely unbelievable. 
Um, for comparison, uh, in second is Bayern, Leipzig, and Man City, who have all uh, conceded seven. Though they can't seem to score goals, they're, uh, they have uh, they're top of the league right now with eleven goals scored, four conceded. Comparatively, Bayern have conceded seven but scored thirty-four. Here's here's my favorite stat that you told me the other night in our Discord call, prepping for the call. Atletico Madrid have a better attack this season than Real Madrid do, and Real Madrid have a better defense this season than Atletico Madrid do. <laughs> So let that one sit into your brain for a hot minute while we move on to our predictions at pace. So it's time to move on. Thomas now leads the competition by two points with nine overall after Nandan had a rough week going 0 for 5 in the matches that we picked. Classic Nandan. I am one point behind Nandan, but can't seem to string more than one win together in a week. We are also very excited to see how Will gets on this week, and we'll see if he can do any better than the single point that Max scored across the five games that we picked with him. So starting off with Newcastle versus Arsenal, which Nandan says is going to go 2-1 to Newcastle. And I am saying that this one is going to go 2-no. Yeah, 2-1 to Arsenal, not Newcastle. I'm going to go 2-0 Arsenal. Thomas says 2-0 Arsenal. Will, what do you say? I'm going, now wait for it, 3-1 Newcastle. I think this is going to be a major upset on the horizon here, and I uh, I really think Newcastle is going to send it home. Awesome. We also have Der Klassiker coming up this weekend with Dortmund hosting Bayern Munich, who were just bounced out of the DFB Pokal by third division Saarbrücken. That was a wild game. Mm-hmm. Um, so Bayern now can't win that domestic cup this season. And now Harry Kane's only chance at silverware with Bayern Munich this season is either winning the Bundesliga or winning the Champions League. So let that one sit in as well. Anyways, Der Classico, Dortmund hosting Bayern. Nandan says this one is going to be 3 nothing Bayern because Bayern always managed to batter Dortmund in his memory. I am going to say that this one is going to go 3-2 to Bayern because Bayern always win, but by a close margin. Uh, I'm going to say that it's going to be a 2-1 Dortmund. I, I think Tuchel's going to uh, bottle it. Okay, Will? I'm going 2-1 Bayern. Um I think Dortmund's going to get the first goal, kind of have that energy up, but Byron's just going to storm back. Next up in Serie A, it's Fiorentina versus Juventus. Thomas, no, Nandan says this one's going to be 2 nothing Juve, and I say this one is actually going to go 1 nothing to Fiorentina. I'm going to say 1-0 Juve. Okay, 1-0 Juve for Thomas. Will? Yeah, this match just has draw written all over it, 1-1. Okay, awesome. Tottenham versus Chelsea in the Premier League. We got Nandan saying this one, this one's going 2-1 to Chelsea, Spurs going to Spurs. I think because Tottenham are at home, though, that this one's going to go uh, 3-1 Tottenham. Oh, I was, uh, I'm going to go with 2-0 Tottenham. Oh, okay. And Will? Yep, same as Thomas, uh, 2-0. I think Tottenham has uh, actually been looking quite good this season. They have looked very good playing their Ange ball. Next up, we've got... Uh, Ajax versus Brighton in the Europa League, where Nandan says Brighton are going to win 2 nothing. I actually think that Ajax are going to win this game 2-1 because they're playing at home in Amsterdam, and I think their fans are going to cause a ruckus. I think Ajax are going to win 2-0. Okay, 2-0 to Ajax, Thomas says. Will? And uh, I'm going 3-0 Brighton. A little guys... bounce back, uh, you know, uh, in the Premier League. They have uh, had uh, one win in their last five. So Yeah, you guys can't see it, but I have also repped my Ajax jersey that I'm wearing in the studio here today. 
Um, before we go, Will, I'm going to give you the Sean Evans Hot Ones, Hot Ones treatment. Um, so that we gave Max at the end of his guest appearance show. You have 30 seconds to shout out or promote anything that you want for yourself or your friends really quick. Uh, just shout out to my girlfriend, Olivia. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and uh, that's basically it. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us in the studio here tonight. It was great to have you here with us. We are going to hope to have Nandan back and see everyone back here next Friday, November 10th at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time to get a bit messy with us here in the WECB studio. That is unfortunately all we've had time to talk about here in the studio tonight. I, as always, have been your host, Connor Donovan, joined by my amazing co-host, Thomas Pudiak, and joined tonight by our world-traveling buddy and football-loving friend, Will Goldsmith. And we will see you all next time on Getting a Bit Messy.